Listen, listen, listen. This is the Black Country Blokes Tune of Facts about everything that is mental health. Now, we're not experts, but we are experienced, so we're encouraging you to share your experience because every experience is worth sharing. So please be part of the conversation. Listen, listen, listen. I've been the to Black Country Blokes Tune of Fact about everything that is mental health, disability, and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, Lee Cadman. Oh, I did miss you last week, Lee. I miss you too. Oh, thank you. That's what's got to add. Eh? <laughs> Laura Vavridge is someone. And we're joined by the wonderful Kerry Davis and uh, uh, PA Vicky. So, girls, thank you ever so much for coming on again today. Yeah, that's no problem. Great to be back with you guys as your massive supporters of us. So, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And uh, we've had them on before. So, if you haven't heard their episode, please go back to our. our archives i'll get my words here properly on our podcast platforms and they are uh, the director of more mascots please and we're going to get into what that is it's a wonderful charity more mascots please cic and they're going to tell you what they have been doing what they are doing and it's just a wonderful organization so if you are looking at backing someone please back this organization but what we're going to do as always we're going to start the show with our gratitude list what things we are grateful for because i think it's something in our day-to-day life is so regularly overlooked so gratitude what am i grateful for today i'm grateful for my daughter she's on isa half term full term whatever it is she's on a break and my wife's now got six days off so we're going to be the three of us having our adventures whether we do everything nothing or snuggling up watching piffle on the telly I'm looking forward to being with my girls, so for that, I'm eternally grateful for. Lee, what are you grateful for? My health. My health. I've, I've suffered with COVID, which is why I went here last week or the week before. Um, and it's it's not me around. It's made me really tired, actually. And uh, But as the days are going on, I feel less tired, more energetic, and, and ready to get back to normal life. We often t- talk about health in like. You don't appreciate your health when you're feeling good, do you? But it's not until you're feeling vile and your aches and your pains and anyone who suffers with bad health or arthritis or fibromyalgia or your diabetes or even your mental health is playing up. It's not until you feel unwell that you really appreciate and feeling well. So for that in itself, when you are feeling good, just think, wow, I'm so lucky. Kerry, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful that I'll get up this morning with a smile on my face. Once again, so overlooked, isn't it? When you can wake up and you think, you know what? It could be better, but the the better thing, it could always be a lot worse. And I think that's, once again, overlooked. And Vicky, what are you uh, grateful for? Um, I think I'm just going to go with something as simple as just having some freedom. I think, you know, my mind is very consumed at the minute with the, the war in Ukraine and I'm watching the footage of that. And I think... If you can't feel grateful for the fact that we can walk out of our front doors and feel safe at the minute, there's never going to be a time to appreciate that more, really, because it's so overwhelming at the moment, what's happening. So just grateful to be able to be feel safe and be here with you guys, even as, you know, thank you for having us. No, thank you for coming on. We've talked about it. Funny enough, the first day that um, the war in Ukraine you're watching it on the TV beyond me weren't you Lee and we were thinking yeah. we're, we're in a history book I think mm. I saw it on TV and I think it was Al Murray said we are living in a in a history book at the moment mm. 
but it's whether it's the start, the middle, or the end. Whether it's like like for the pandemic, the Brexit, the the crisis for Ukraine, it could easily come over here. But what part of the book are we in? You know, is it is it about to get worse? Are we over the worst? And as, as you say, I think we've got to appreciate at this exact moment in time we're here in this room. We're not at war, and for that we're grateful for. And um, me being a daddy, I, I keep it away from my daughter because I'm thinking, why does she need to worry? And it's the same when the pandemic was happening. You're here with daddy. We're fine. The point that we're not fine, and I hope it doesn't come here, then we'll deal with it then. But well, long you as have to do it for yourself, don't you, Kev? Like I found myself now not watching as as much news or reading the paper as much because it does overwhelm you, doesn't yeah. it? To keep reading what's going on, and not not necessarily just what's going on over there, but the how barbaric it is. Yeah, you know how horrible it actually is, and and yeah. it's. I think the worry of it coming over here is getting less and less as. Because time does that to you, doesn't it? To begin with, you yeah. were worried. They think, oh my god, it, you know, in next next week, are we going to be trying to get to air raid shelters and not be bombed? And that gets less and less. But the pure barbaricness of it and the, the the images you can now see, because it's not only on your TV, it's on your your Facebook, your Twitter, it's on all of that, and it it really can overload you with it. But we said that as well, didn't we? Like back back when we were kids. If your mommy, your daddy, your nanny, your granddad, your guardian didn't want you to see something, they'd turn the channel over. And I find myself doing that with my daughter, like, oh, no, the news is on, turn it over. But when they get to a certain age and everyone having smartphones, you're not aware of what your children are watching. And you know what frightens them, so you keep that away from them. But if your mate's showing, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll watch this horrible, sick video... And I always say it's very easy to frighten someone. It's very difficult to stop them from being fright uh, to stop them from being scared. It's like you know, if you if I want to scare my daughter, I'll put Freddy Krueger on. It's difficult to stop the nightmares from happening. Yeah. So we've got to be careful, and we've also got to be sympathetic to other people's feelings. If you know it makes one feel uncomfortable to talk about matters, don't do it. It's not funny. It's not nice to make people feel uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, oh, should we go to a few more songs and then we're going to come into the wonderful More Mascots Please CRC. And we're back with Kerry Davis and Vicky. And we're going to be talking now about More Mascots Please CIC. So, Kerry, where did you come up with this brilliant idea? I came up with it when um, my uncle and friend passed away. So, my uncle Kev and my friend Liam. Uh, tragically passed away. My uncle Kev died in uh, June 2000... Uh, no, Liam died in June 2009 and my uncle Kev passed away um, in the August of 2009. So uh, I started my own small campaign and then I did a various young entrepreneur awards such as O2 Think Big... And then I went to Dudley Council for Voluntary Services in 2013 because I wished to um, bring the fundraising and help children in the black country in Birmingham. So um, the CVS, particularly Becky Picking, set 
um, more mascots please up as a community interest company so that um, myself, my family and friends could have control of the money and ensure that the money went to the right place and the children that we wanted to help in the black country. And saying that, I mean, well, you just said then we'll go into what we're talking about off air in a little bit, but the money goes to the right places. It and, does. And the right yes. children, because I'm not being funny, but there's these other very, very wealthy charities. And how much of it actually gets to the people we started a charity in the name of? And I think organisations like yourselves, and like what we do, you're putting a toy under a Christmas tree, you're giving a shirt on the back, and the good actually gets to the people it was intended to get to. Yeah, well, I set it up to make children smile. Um, as much as I'd really love to um, earn a wage out of it, I know I never will, and that wasn't the reason I set it up. I mean, I'm, um, I'm an intelligent postgraduate with a master's, but I'm so physically disabled as well that it's my way of dealing with everything that I can't do physically instead of looking at the negative and um, being sad and upset and thinking about my various disabilities. I have four different disabilities. I go out there um, and I employ young people because I'm uh, my master's is in youth work and those young people then get trained up by myself um, and mainly my cousin Christopher who's a professional actor um, and then they help children then um, and we do things like individual gifts, fun trips um, but I think more than anything at the moment what we'll do going forward is probably the individual gifting um more than anything else because i'd rather do smaller things that i know are going to make a child smile particularly in the current times that we're facing than um larger things that people are going to come to en masse that they might not always appreciate all the hard work that goes into to running it. Because when you when you found a social enterprise, it's really a non-stop job. Well, it's, it's not a job at all. It's a it's a passion and a way of life. But it is blooming hard work, isn't it? And we were saying off off air when you're doing all this good work, and the first thing to suffer is the charity work because. And we're saying it's not the people who've got the least who always try and give a little bit of their nothing to someone else. And it, it, it's tough, isn't it, for our grassroots charities. But even if you can only donate 50 pence a pound, 10 pence, it goes into the pot and it makes someone happy. Well, it, it does. My, my original thoughts was I just literally went to the CVS just to help one child in the black country and I've now helped in excess of a thousand um, in all different ways. In fact, I need to look at my books and calculate what I've actually done. But it was literally, I never thought I'd help so many. I literally went knocking at their door just so I could help one child in the black country. And what I loved about it last time, once again, listen to our previous episode, but it's not only helping Calla Rose, you give experiences for the whole family. 
And that that's what really touched you, wasn't it, to bed it, Lee? Yeah, it is, because um, there's a, the, there's not a lot we can do as a, as a family in terms of there's there's always... You go on days out and there's a, it's always limited, you know, it's always, well... You you two can go on that ride here, but you can't, or you can do this, but you can't. You know, it's very so to have things that you can do as a family is always really important, um, and it's very much forgotten uh, within within people who do raise money and do help. That it's actually it doesn't just a disability doesn't just affect the person who's disabled; it's the whole family around them. Well, we had that massive to do, didn't we, with um, the Safari Park, and they've reversed it now, saying that. Uh, the carers could no longer go in for free. And you said, but the carer is there to make the person they're caring for better. It's like you wouldn't charge someone's guide dog to come in. You need that person to allow the, the people to have a better, more fun, more safe time. And I'm glad, I'm so glad they overturned it. But it, I thought it was political suicide. And why we're victimising people with disabilities or... Uh, the counters of the people who are caring for them it's ridiculous how do you think about that Vic I mean I think yeah I think it is outrageous and I think do you know that what people don't think about it is the moral and ethical dilemma it puts you in as the carer so like if you've got to then pay if that's the situation with me and Kerry we've had it a little bit like with um like going to a gig for example so I get the carer ticket but you kind of you You'd feel you'd be like Kerry would think, well, "Do I need to pay for Vicky, mm. or does Vicky pay for her own ticket?" Mm. But then, actually, your wages are really mm. quite. You, you, you're usually minimum wage, and you're usually struggling yourself. Yes. And you, you then the dynamic between you sorting that out, and then like Kerry employs a number of carer PAs. So what you do for one, you've got to do for the mm-hmm. other. So she will have to be really mindful of that. She's on a very very tight budget in terms of uh, where the money gets allocated she's not in a position to just fire out money I think that you know and then potentially you're getting into you're affecting people's relationships with their carers Mm -hmm. PAs because you get you're having to have conversations about uh, like money and finance that you shouldn't really be having to have it should just be kind of Assume, shouldn't it, that, that you know that you're a carer, that you that you you are there to care, to care, and it is a perk. Don't get me wrong; it is a perk of the job, like an amazing perk of the job that you get a lot of experiences as a carer that you might not ordinarily get, and you get and you do get to experience. We went to free radio, didn't we? Yeah, in, that was um, November, and that was it was great. It was amazing. It was really amazing, and I felt really privileged and lucky that I got to go. Kerry, pick, you know, picked me to go with her, and she's like, "Will you come with me?" And I felt really lucky to go. But you are as well. Like, it's a different experience to being there socially mm-hmm. because we're toing and froing, doing various caring tasks. What you know, it, it, it's not just a total. Oh, it's you're on a jolly and it's a free for all. You're still very much constantly in the frame of mind of thinking of somebody else as you should be because you're there to work so i think you know it's but we, we had it with blind dave i love blind dave he's traveled the world he's done all these things and he's completely blind obviously in bed and it's your carer allows you to help my wife but it's kev there's a, a monkey in the tree or there's i can't see but she is allowing me to feel i'm part of the gang and people don't realize that you you're not on a blag you know, you need someone to wear the toilets. And if you say to a worker who's there on their job, excuse me, sir, 
a random person. Can you take me to Taurus? Of course I won't. You know, they're there sweeping, cleaning, working at the gift shop. There is not their job to do those bits and bobs. Or excuse me, sir, could you explain what's in this cage? They're not paid for that. Your carer is there to help you. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, I remember the. I mean, I can't knock them because they've they've turned they've overturned it. And fair play to them. But when I watched them on the news, and they're saying the reason why we did it, there was coaches coming in full of carers and one disabled person and they're blagging it and I thought that is the biggest load of codswallop <laughs> I've ever heard on codswallop you know very PC word for the radio but I thought that's un- that's unfathomable and if that has happened it's a very 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 isolated incident isn't it yeah. and if someone does need more than one carer it's for a genuine excuse yeah not excuse, reason. Reason, yeah. but a valid, yeah. valid reason, and beg my pardon. Yeah. But I think that, and once again, fair game political, because that's not my way, but when you're seeing certain people and they are flaunting the rules and they're charging things, and even with the new, um, the testing, even with the testing, like, whether you believe in COVID, don't believe in COVID, we've gone from free tests. Now, I believe the cheapest place you can buy one test is one ninety nine. That's a lot, and it's normally the people who are very ethnical, and they are very aware of it, because they're either around vulnerable people, or they are a vulnerable person, who will be checking. And you don't ever just have one test, you have one, then have another test, and another test. And these two pounds add up in a family of three, so me and my wife and my daughter, that six pound every other day adds up. And it's normally the people who can't afford it who are going to be doing it. And we've talked about this a lot, haven't we, Lee? We have, and again, it, it 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 offers up the the same question as what we we're on about earlier. So, if you think you've got COVID, then who pays for that test between you two? You know, because uh, ultimately, neither of you can afford to keep doing that, and you can't do it for every care, and you can't. You know, it throws up a lot of questions that make make that relationship or potentially make that relationship trickier. Yeah, which you don't need, do you? Because no. Um, life is already stressful enough, isn't it? Especially with, um, with for somebody with a disability, it just every aspect of life is harder work. Mm-hmm. Every single aspect of life is harder work. So to put any additional burden to me is just like outrageous, really, and um, just wrong. And you don't want to roll the dice, think, well, I might have it, I might not, but because. Uh, uh, then it goes on our, our, our morals, doesn't it? And I think some people are going to have to go against their own moral compass because they can't afford to stick to it. Yeah. And when you're putting people in that dilemma, I honestly think it'll be the downfall of mankind. When you start thinking, well, and people have to do because they've got to pay their bills. I'm sorry, but I've got to come in. Well, Lee's daughter's vulnerable. I too have got to pay my bills and I think once you start stepping over that line which a lot of us are going to have to do it's very difficult to either live with yourself or step back over to it and that's when governments and people should be looking after the people who need it the most how do you feel about it Kerry? Well I thought that's why we had the welfare state in the first place you know I passionately believe in the welfare state um, and I think it needs to be understood and uh, there needs to be a reformulation of how it works 
and it should always um, look after the vulnerable first um, and then but it should also give the vulnerable um, a chance to contribute as well um, and be more we need more access we need more equality we need more equality of opportunity and this is what what we need and then the welfare state wouldn't be so so stretched like in australia even if you're as disabled as me you have to work so many hours doing something um before you're even considered for for benefits and when you do things like apply for permitted work and things the attitude that you get treated with is so negative mm. by those in the department from work and pensions that you shouldn't be treated this way when you're trying to change your life and trying to earn the smallest amounts of money and it's never positive it's it's never hello miss davis how can i help mm. you know it took me 10 phone calls to be allowed to do permitted work it just isn't right and i've seen it before if um well what you do can you do this i volunteer oh you volunteer so don't forget you're doing something for nothing we will cut your benefits because you're doing something for nothing but you're still wanting to be a part of society they're not saying oh well we'll help you subsidize your money for extra money you're willing to do something on your own behalf for nothing and then they'll cut your benefits for it that is that encourages people to do less which is no good for your self-worth or your mental capabilities is it no it's like children with um cystic fibrosis people don't appreciate that that's a life limited condition and often they're not put on to the correct rate of people often um they're put on to the lower rate instead of the middle rate and you know that that child is going to live a shortened life and their families have to cope with that um, there has been um, documentaries by the Disability News Service. It was on Channel 4 where all of these attitudes and behaviours have been exposed. So I'd advise anybody to follow uh, Disability News Service and John Prings and he exposes the negative way that people within the job centre are trained to be negative to people like myself. It just isn't right. I need to be retrained. It needs to stop now. Well, two things there. I mean, I always believe as soon as you've had some, you're born with a disability or you uh, you get a disability, you go on. There should be someone, literally it's your GP, your specialist, whoever, gives you that news. They go, here's the telephone number. You're going to phone Lee Cadman. He's going to help you with equipment. Then you're going to phone Vicky. She's going to help you out with funding. We're going to make it as easy for you to get what's going to make your life somewhat livable and enjoyable. So you're not surviving life. You're actually living it. But that doesn't happen, does it? I've never met anyone who's had an, an, an easy ride of this. No, it just simply doesn't happen. I mean, I'm 
32 now and when I was born my parents were basically told two things one you're divorced and two don't have any other children in case they're disabled luckily they've had my sister and she's one of the best things in the world that has ever happened to me and luckily they're still happily married you don't want to hear that because you've had a disabled child you're going to end up in the divorce courts but I, I mean that's that surprises me but I, I, we've been in the situation before where we've 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 been to doctors and i think they've give us um they've, they've tried to manage our expectations with with what my daughter can potentially do or not do and it's always on the, the the negative side. So we were told, basically, if she wasn't walking, I think it was by the time she was five, she wouldn't walk. And then now she's coming up to eight and she started taking steps. Um, and I think they do, they do things like that to try and manage your expectation. But with some people, that would... that were, Some parents, that would crush them and they wouldn't even then attempt to help that child to walk because i think well the doctors told me she's not going to walk you know so i'm not gonna I'm, why would i push on with trying to make her well not make her but try and encourage her should i say whereas we were lucky i was totally opposite i was like well actually we'll do everything we can to enable her if she doesn't do it at the end of it it's not the end of the world but we'll put everything in place that we can do to enable her to to get to to achieve that and I think that's where the attitude within the system needs to change. You need to give give every opportunity available for them to to live as best as possible. And I think like with the doctors, as you say, if the doctor says it, they're cleverer than me to take that as gospel. And the same with the benefit forms. I don't want to get in trouble. And that they'll stop it. I don't appeal it because I don't want to make a fuss. And if they say I can't get it, then I, I won't get it. And unfortunately... You have to push on and appeal it and appeal it. and. Well, I think the whole system there is wrong, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is. Because you, when, with with my daughter's benefits, when that, she gets, I think it's every three years at the moment, that someone comes around and basically makes sure she's still entitled to them benefits, as if something has mm. miraculously happened and now she she's absolutely fine and can start water, you know. Mm. And I'm sure you're in the same position, aren't yeah. you there, Terry? You know, these oh, people yes, are coming and, and, and you just think, you're just wasting your time and my time. Yeah. Nothing yeah. is going to change that point that all of a sudden oh, I'm not disabled and then I'm going to be going off to work. And quite frankly if that magic wand does get wove you know, <laughs> I'm over the moon, you know That's keep it. that money, I'm going to go and do yeah. things. Yeah, they, they ought to there ought to be um, they ought to use common sense basically yeah. and maybe coming out and visit once and then go, well actually I kind of like it's like your site, Kev, your site yeah. you know, it's not going to get better so you kind of you know, you know the future don't you? Well, I see it's only going to get worse. Like I, had, I had to go for a, a, an eye test the other month, and I had to go ahead and been in three years. And they said, Why haven't you been? I went, There's been a worldwide pandemic on, in case you haven't read it in the newspaper. Well, haven't you got here? Because my wife works, and my parents are on a vulnerable list, and I'm resting blind, so I can't drive. Oh, yeah, but it says you haven't been. I went, Come on, guy. <laughs> and then you go, and then could you come back next week? And I went, Yeah, I haven't been in three years, but I'll come back next week for whatever reason, you know, close the gym down, get there. And they went, Mr. Dillon, we've come to talk about your glasses. I went, in the 35 years that I've had bad eyes, I have never wore glasses. I went, oh, so why are you here? I went, I was thinking the same. <laughs> and But this is, 
And it wasn't the doctor's fault. It was, but I was thinking, why don't people communicate? Back when I was a kid and I had to see the doctor, they'd have a stack of papers. Nowadays, it's all on the computer. If Mr. Dylan is coming in, click. Why is he here? What, you know what I mean? There's, and once again, we throw money at things, whereas it should just be, how's it spent? How can we make the service we've got better without wasting time and money? You know what I mean? Why do I need to keep seeing Mr. Dillon every three years when, by the looks of it, he's not going to get better? And what you do then, like we've said many times about your, your... You feel... How many times do you walk into something? Well, I'm all right, are you? Not as many times as you think, or... Can you make a coffee? Well, if I must, I, uh, you being a proud person put a positive spin on it. So then they read it. Oh, so you can. If you needed to, if the house was burning down, you might. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Whereas the professional form writers that don't do that, they, they dramatise it. They could catastrophise it. Whereas other honest people, we try and be too proud, don't we? Do you see that as Vicky with other people that you try and I don't know you try and put a brave face on and unfortunately that that's not always the best way to do it yeah I mean I know in other walks of life um separate to Kerry Co because Kerry obviously deals with all this that element of her life herself uh and I actually think just going back to the point of the people like when people come out to do those assessments the first thing that comes to my mind when Kerry tells me that they're coming and the things that they ask her it's just pure insulting isn't mm. it yeah. it's so insulting like these things infuriate me and sh they shock me because prior to Kerry I didn't have experience of this world and and working with Kerry is as as opened my eyes to a whole different world of a different system that I would say personally that most general public who who do who don't have involvement with disability and mental health they just are oblivious to it mm. as you would be as I would be if I wasn't in this role and had you know but yeah going back to your question yeah my my nan is registered blind and she's a very proud woman she's 92 mm. She's a very proud woman. She's very hardy and she manages amazing. She lives independently. She has carers, but she manages amazingly. And it is so difficult for her to find the balance of uh, coming to terms with what her abilities are, what she can do and what she mm. can't do. And then the, the whole dilemma of should I... Should I like? Should I say like you say? Does it, if it was a burning building, yes, I would be able to get out. But ordinarily, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be doing that task mm. ordinarily because actually there's quite a huge risk to it. But yeah. then if I was, if 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 the risk was I'm going to lose my life, obviously I'd give it a shot because mm. that, the alternative is so much worse. I think you you're often put in really difficult situations in answering it's the kind of questions that you're asked like it shows that the people that came up with the questions mm. actually really haven't got a clue about what they're asking you and and what life is like um as a person with a disability and and what it's like living day to day with a d disability otherwise they would not be asking you the, the question in the first place i think how do you find it kerry i just think you know as if you wouldn't inform all these people that you have to have the support from 
that you weren't dramatically improving. Mm -hmm. um, I can I can understand because some people do fraud the system completely, which is disgraceful. But when you know it's somebody like myself with about nine or ten conditions and like because of those conditions, stomas, etc., that's it's just never gonna improve. Mm. You know. It's only gonna either be the same or get worse. But I mean they the I read some some figures actually that was in the news and and the the amount of people who've contested and and then won back their benefits it's it's absolutely stupidly high it's in the ninety percent and the amount of money they wasted then trying to appeal these like the 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 government trying to appeal it has then outweighed the amount of people who were claiming benefits that shouldn't be. But, <laughs> so you, but, to, to, for them to try and save money, they've actually lo lost money. But in that time, that person, when their benefits been cut, or the fear of it getting cut, you're petrified, and you're thinking, well, how am I going to survive here? And then sometimes they go, well, you can get a loan, but how on earth am I going to buy that loan back? But it's caused people to commit suicide with mm. mental health problems. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was. I can't remember the. There was. Um, was it Daniel Blake who did the film about it and, and um, was saying the 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 rate of suicide in people with mental health and disabilities is shooting up because of things like that 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 are not being believed. The benefits are being cut, um, and then they can't afford to live. Basically, you can't afford, and that, and that with everything that's going on now with with prices going up, it's only going to get worse. It's. I mean, I know they've they've also cut. The warm home discount for certain disabilities as well, haven't they now? But we were saying that, weren't we? And it's great having these open conversations because, unfortunately, in mainstream media, these conversations don't happen, do they? Yeah. People talk around with carers and disabilities, different forms of disabilities. And we were saying, like, um, you've got to heat, heat or eat, and the electricity's got to be paid. But then, like, charging your wheelchair, or if you're on oxygen, or having the washing machine, or having all these things. And where does that money come from? You know, when all bills go up, but no money is going in the piggy bank to fund it, obviously there's going to be catastrophe, obviously there's going to be mental health problems, obviously there's going to be fear and loneliness, and this thing, it's like throwing, once again, petrol on an already angry fire. Mm. And where is the solution? What? Well, I mean, I was I was reading some comments on Twitter about the energy prices going up, and there, and there was um, parents on there with disabled children in a lot more serious situation than than what Cadder is in, in and, and has been in, and, and that the amount of equipment that keeps that child alive, that's plugged into the mains, and they were just the, the you know, they were breaking down because they didn't know how they were going to keep that equipment that's keeping their child alive on. Uh, and it's at the at that point, it's not about eating. It's about mm. someone, a piece of equipment that keeps that child alive, keeping it switched on. I mean, what do you, what, what do you turn off that equates to that? Because because yeah. a lot of them are high used high in energy as well. It's kind of like your fridge; you need it on all the time. It, it's mm. gonna it's gonna be burning burning through through energy, and it's it's absolutely frightening that we're. We're in this country that's meant to be what the fifth richest, but we've we've got people who are gonna gonna be dying because they can't afford to put.
gas on or can't eat or can't you know it's absolutely terrible that it it shouldn't be happening we've we've gone back years and years and there's a lot of people out there who say well it was worse in the 70s and it was worse i don't know it was worse in the 40s and all this but ultimately those people should have been making this country better and mm-hmm. there were but where, where we've gone wrong now that you know they should be happy that people aren't starving not happy that it was worse years ago working in the sweatshops in the mills and the orphanages well the whole point of us all is to make the, the future better better for everyone else isn't it that should be your, your real your real goal within life make make you you're happier now in the future better for other people well, I think those sort of children will end up in hospices, won't they? Well, that's it. Because I mean, it's it, it's great that we have hospices, hospices, and 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 places like that, and hospitals that that we do fund. You know, it comes out of taxes, but it's great we have it. But ultimately, we sh- we shouldn't be relying on them, should we? There shouldn't. It should no. be. You should be able to if you have a child who is who is ill and wants to spend their time at home as well because who wants to really even though you know the acorns is an absolutely fantastic place um they do amazing work it's great for respite but that's what it should be it should be somewhere for respite and and uh, and everyone to have a break not somewhere that you should be living because you can't afford electric and you don't want it to become like the a and e they're chock-a-block and some of those people haven't necessarily got to be there but they can't afford to be anywhere else that would again that puts a strain on the NHS, doesn't it? Yeah, no one wants to be at A and E. No, but sometimes like we were, we were talking about this the other day, like the walking centres, you know, like um, an A and E accident. I fell off the ladder, an emergency. I'm having a stroke. But how many people, because they can't get into the doctors, they go in there with flu-like symptoms. They go in there with uh, sickness and diarrhoea, contagious things. But you you have no other place to go, and it spreads through there like wildfire. All the people who are going up with mental crisis, they've gone up, and next thing you know, they're in this crowd room, and end up having um, an episode because there's too many people. If we had more facilities, your GP, and even if I could, I live in King Swinford, but if every week they did alternative gps or they had a walking center where people would go i can't fit anywhere else but i've got a rash here or i've got this can you have a look at it then i wouldn't have to go and waste the time with people in a and e and if we had walking centers for the mental health if we had wa- it will work out cheaper in the long run won't it mm. i remember when we were kids i was born in words hospital but we had um words hospital we had the guests we had and they closed all the hospitals oh, down what, sorry? Corbett Hospital. Corbett. There's, there's quite a few, wasn't there, around? But they closed them all to make a super hospital. But what happens when we have a super super viruses? They all go to us all now. We need to spread it around, Fina, don't we? I don't know. But the same's happened with the with the police. They closed all the police stations. Broyle Hill's closing as well now. Is it now? Yeah, yeah. So Staybridge has gone. Broyle Hill's gone. But now the now because the crime rate has gone up, the now they've sold the buildings. That's what it came down mm. to. Wanted the money off the buildings, but now the the crime rate's gone up. So they're they're looking at places that can reopen in Staybridge for a police station. Mm. You just think, you know, surely you didn't see that. How did you not see that coming? It's bonkers, isn't it? But unfortunately, the people who, uh, and we're political here, you know, I don't like being political, but something's got to change, hasn't it? But the problem is everything's driven by politics in the end. Mm. If people who say they're not into politics and not, politics are not interested in it, 
that might be the case, but everything in, that affects our day-to-day -day lives is driven by it. So it's in your interest to 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 follow it a little bit mm. and to be interested a bit in it because you we can we can make a difference by being interested in it and informed by it. So you can make informed decisions about who's coming into government because it does make a huge difference well, about where money gets spent. Oh, me and Kev do actually follow it. Um, we try and stay neutral on it on the show, and the reason being is we like to get politicians, MPs, councillors on the show. Um, and number one, we like to do that because then we can hold these people to task a bit more than, than your average day and hopefully get answers for, for people who are listening. Mm. Um, and it's not really about... We don't, we don't want to go down the route of bad-mouthing people or politicians or councillors. Because we, we, that's not the way to do it, is it? It's, no. You want an open conversation Absolutely. like we're having with you. We don't want animosity in the room, but you want answers at the same mm -hmm. time. And we don't want a show where we're just whinging about politicians, to be quite <laughs> honest. But um, I think a couple of songs, Kev. Yeah. Well, that was a very lovely little jingle, that was, Lee. They should have asked me to do them jingles. <laughs> and sick we're... of hearing you. <laughs> <laughs> Got feelings. So we're back with... Um, Kerry and Vicky are talking about more mascots, please, CIC. And you were telling us um, about a fundraiser you're doing, a fashion show. Would you like to tell us more about it, please? Yes, uh, we're doing a fashion show in memory of uh, a young boy who passed away called um, Ben Collins. I had the pleasure of meeting him and his mum, Rebecca, in um, 2019. And before he passed away, we did activities at his school. Um, we provided his school class with um, a mascot and Santa visits. And it, it really helped at the time because Ben was going through such a difficult time. So four years later, we've decided to hold this event in his memory and we're holding it at Brockmore Community Centre. Um, we need 75 ladies and tickets will be £6 each and that will include a goodie bag and a welcome drink. And where can they find this, Kerry? Um, it, where to book, sorry. They can contact me directly. We will be... Um, so I'm Kerry Davis, which is C-E-R-I, and then Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S. It will be on our More Mascots, Please see social media as well, website, uh, Facebook, um, and we will be putting posters in as many places as possible. We really need groups of ladies to come forward to attend the show, and we have um, delivered off some poses and tickets um, today to uh, Brockmore Community Centre. Also, if you wish to uh, contact uh, Rebecca Collins as well, she'll have details about it too. I mean, losing a child to... Was it cancer? It was, yeah. I mean, I'm not my daddy myself. To lose your child and... Um, I don't know, I, I knew a, another young lad who died of cancer, he was a teenager, Shake, his name was, and I don't know, as a parent, you feel like cancer's going to get you when you're older, 
but cancers like mental health, it can affect anyone at any time. And it's never fair, it's never right. It is just what it is, isn't it? Well, I don't know um, how any parent with a child that dies of cancer copes. And Rebecca just is such an inspiration, so lovely and such a strong person. Um, but I don't know how any parent copes with that. And there's far too many children who do pass away from cancer. Unfortunately, Ben is not, isn't, you know, wasn't and won't be the last child that's passed away of cancer. So it's it's very sad. The other week, uh, we had the amazing uh, Zaki on, who was raising money for one of your charities as well. Yes, I'm very proud of Zaki. He did his bike ride, um, and he raised £686. Also, um, a big thank you to uh, the employees of Wishton's Industry Limited, who uh, raised... £260 at the end to make his total 668 overall. He has lots of fans that donated to my Golden Giving page too. But how wonderful. It was lovely. He was on for a bit, him and his mum, Sarah. Yeah, she's lovely. And having these, and I said to her, you must be so proud of your baby. And he said, oh, how, did, how did you get to meet him first? How, how did it all come about? Well, uh, Zach's an ambassador for Merlin's Magic Wand and my cousin, Christopher Round, is an actor and he's a professional actor and he plays the um, king of the castle at Warwick Castle where Zach uh, does a lot of classes and attends um, horse riding sessions, story sessions, how to fight. So... Um, that was how they heard about more mascots, please, the IC, and they wanted to help us. But isn't it wonderful that a child, it's lovely when anyone does what they do, but a child to be that passionate about giving. And I, when I talked to Sarah, I thought, how lovely, how proud she must be. His T-shirt's come today, it's taken me a while to get it. So I will be sending him and um, uh, sending me a T-shirt over just as a well-done Black Country uh, bloke, stop off me and Lee. But it was lovely, wasn't it, Lee? And it makes you feel very humble. And this is one of the reasons why we started the podcast and the radio. There is so much blooming good people and so much good news out there. But we don't tend to hear about it, do we? It's death, famine, misery. And yes, it is out there. We know that bad stuff's out there because it's flaunted and rubbed in our face every day. But there is so much wonderful, loving, great news and people on every cul-de-sac, on every street. But we need to start advertising them more and just going, you know what? Well, thank you for being there. And a lot of these people don't want to be thanked, but ever so often a thank you goes a long way. Do you find that, Kerry? It does, yes. Um, I always thank everybody that donates to uh, More Mascots, Please, CIC. And I really would really like to see the media turn round from portraying negative images, particularly of young people, because I'm mm. a qualified youth worker. And I want I want the media to go from portraying negative images to portraying positive images of what young people can achieve. And I second that, I mean, 
at the boxing club uh, on the baby classes from seven years old up to early teens. We have about 50 kids in that hour twice a week. Then the teenagers, 45 leash. Yeah, yeah. And then the blokes, you know, from what late teens up to blokes, whatever. And it's brilliant. And they've got such a bad rap. And you go off and you're on the minibus, you're at boxing shows, you're out in the bed. And you see they're more aware of things. Uh, gay rights and uh, interracial marriages and disability. And they're more aware of it and more understanding than my generation was. And they're aware of things. And if they have the right role models and they have showed that this is right or this is wrong, if you teach them, they're willing to learn it. Is the older generation who's stuck in their ways, and because we've done it this way for so long, we're always going to do this, they don't want to change. So, you know, give the kids a break, because if we give them a chance, they can't do any worse than uh, the bunch of plonkers who run it at the moment, can they? Well, it's because um, the big change is the access that young people have to social media, and they they will put themselves out there now. And there's a lot more positive role models. Um, I mean, my parents are coming towards their early 60s now and there was nothing like that for them. Mm. Um, So we need to highlight... Like, a a big role model of mine is uh, Martin Silby. He's severely disabled. He's an extremely successful disability entrepreneur. Uh, he's a change maker on LinkedIn and he runs a company called Pers- Purple Goat and that's what they do in the media. And he's severely disabled and he just, like I tried to do, he just built himself up and up with the right mem- right mentors. Um, now, personally, I'm pleased to say that I'm actually involved in three national projects to try and change how we perceive adult social care Mm. Um, and the funding is being put in so that we can improve um, things like adult social care but we don't what these funders want is they don't want to just see what what is on paper they want the lived experience Mm. and academics and then also what is written in the academic text altogether and that's the only way it's going to change I think lived experience is a, a brilliant thing and what you said with adult social care and that's not just with disability exclusively what we did through after the lockdown we opened up the club three days a week for a mixed class and twice a week for ladies only to come and train for free because it gives people social interaction so you can be a part of something whether you want to be a box where you want to then if you just want to have a cup of coffee but it's giving you somewhere where you can train for free because if you haven't got any money you don't have the luxury of spending it on your hobbies because you know heat or eat and i've been trying to say this for ages to send me to jail for something saft or serious whatever probably going to cost the government 100 grand a year per person to water feed me keep me warm exercise me but the amount of good that could go to by funding boxing gyms dojos football pitches allotments choirs how many people that could help and either make it next to nothing or nothing for those people but then for then fund the places because so much falls onto the volunteer sector 
But how about if we could actually help those volunteers? How about if the volunteers actually could uh, afford to eat themselves? So let's give people something to do. That old saying, the devil makes work of hard lands. If I've got nothing to do, I will fill my time. And how I normally feel it is by being negative, by alcohol, drugs, being lazy, whatever it is. But you give me a purpose, you give me a way out of it. Do you find that? Absolutely, yeah. There's no doubt about it. We need to bring back frontline youth work, detached work. You know, all these young people have been stabbed, which is ridiculous, all because everything important to the community is being closed down and it's not right. For young and for old, though, give people somewhere and something to do and give them positive role models. Once again, life experience. Have people saying, well, I went to prison through stabbing someone and it ruined my life, or I got stabbed, or I was on drugs, or my brother overdosed, or my sister. And if you give that lived experience by someone, or I've got a disability, yeah, I've flourished, I have managed to survive. Get people talking about it who actually know what they're on about, instead of either a paper pusher or a box-ticking exercise. More people that can talk honestly more chance that people are going to listen because people know when you're being sincere, don't they? They do, yeah. And when you were talking about your gym, I was wondering, like, how do you actually fund it? Do you, um, if you do everything for free, how do you fund it? Do you have grants? <laughs> well, you know about grants, then. How do you, how do you do it? The evening classes, which are £2.50 for the children. Then adults, if they're working, it is £5. If they're not working, £3. We've always kept it cheap. When we first opened in 2000, it was 50 pence for kids. 50 pence. But we've had to put it up. My daytime sessions, I do it on my own accord. I've got the property, so I do that for free. What we would love is for someone to step in and fundy. We've had over a hundred different men and women who attend and they all say it has changed their life because they've got to get up. I haven't said it at eight o'clock in the morning. It's half past ten for the mixed class, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Uh, ten o'clock on a Wednesday for ladies only and eleven thirty on a Friday. I've left it that time so I can drop the kids off at school or wake up and it gives them something to do. Start the day by being positive. But we do this on our own accord in the volunteer sector. I know. I really think you should look into the uh, national lottery grants. Oh. If if anyone out there is listening to this and you want to help us, we fill out these forms, we fill out these forms. And unfortunately, me being Kev Dillon from the Lions Boxing Club, who are you helping? Everyone. No, 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 no. But who are you helping? Are you helping women? Yes. No, no, but women can't train with men. Okay, we'll do two different classes. But they've got to be under 16 or over 16 or under 21 or 20. I went, they can come for free. No, 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 no. It's different demographics. Are they brown? Are they Muslim? Are they Christians? Are they travellers? Are they Romani travellers? Are they Irish travellers? It's for everyone. No, no. Because I want to help everyone. And when you come to the club, you look on my Facebook and you see the massive diversity of people. You'll have people with autism, training with someone who's got a physical disability and different... Everyone, once you're in there, are relying. Fundraisers don't like that. What do you mean? You've got a copper and someone who's come out of prison training together. In here, they are 
a lion. So you can't always get the funding we should have, and it blows our mind, doesn't it, Lee? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they they want to single it. So okay, you've you've got to be fundraising just for. Uh, girls under 16 um, or or just fundraising for single moms single moms yeah or, or applying for grants for that instead of actually what the boxing what the, the boxing club does better than train European champions is it brings people together it brings it doesn't you, you, I can go in there I'll go. In, I'll, I'll train two, three times a week. I can go in there, and there'll be people different backgrounds, different wealth, different everything. You know, and that's every time you go in, you'll go in, and they'll be different from just about every part of society, won't they? Mm. It's, and that's what it does. Great. It just brings people together. You're all there. You all know it's going to be a hard training session, and you all pull together. It doesn't matter where you're from, where you've been, what you're doing, where what you're about to do. You're there to train. You're there to, to have a good time and you're there to talk to people. And because we're waving the mental health flag now, people know they can come and talk to us. And obviously, if it is a crisis, I can never give that false hope of, sorry, Vicky, um, yeah, I, I promise I will never tell anyone because I, I don't want to lie to your face. If you tell me and it's like, oh, I'm going to go and complete suicide or I'm going to go and stab Lee, I've got a duty of care to look after you and I've got you. But most stuff, if you say to me, about abuse, or as, as long as it's not ongoing abuse, but uh, we can talk about stuff, and it happens countlessly. And sometimes it's a hard cross to bear. But having that person, these men, women, children, old so and so's like ourselves, can go and talk to, is a lifeline to people. And you're not just a coach; you're a mommy, you're a daddy, you're a counsellor to these people. And when lockdown happened, and you were taken away from them, it was hard. It was hard for them, but knowing that you were always there for them, kept on going. You know, we survived together. We survived in numbers. But yeah, if anyone out there does want to throw a, lo- a lump, some answers will take it. <laughs> and sponsors are so hard to come by. But we were talking about this off air. Sponsors and charity work, because apart from businesses, but businesses are suffering as well. But um, when funds start getting short... It's hard to fund stuff, isn't it? Or it becomes more difficult to fund these grassroots operations and organisations. Yeah, well, well. Ultimately, if, if the people haven't got the money in the pocket, they can't give it to other people, can they? It's as simple as that. They can't give it to charities, and unfortunately, the charities, CICs, are the f- first thing you kind of look at knocking off, don't you? When you when your purse strings are getting tighter, you look and go, well. I'm giving five pound to them a month. I can, you know, I can save five pound there, and that can pay for this instead. Um, that's kind of your first, your first port of call, isn't it? But if there are any big business owners out there, look for your, your CICs like more mascots, please CIC, and these smaller things because these are the people in the trenches who are actually seeing what it is to be a carer or someone with disability or disadvantaged children and when you give it to these smaller organisations you know it's actually getting to the people instead of you know you've paid a tenner and only 10% of that is actually going to where it should be you know where their expenses haven't been paid for and I don't believe charities start off to be bad but it's funny how we lose the sight of where what we're actually set up for whereas great people like yourself are true 
to do because you can see it's and every time we talk and we talk on Facebook it's you're passionate about it because it's your baby isn't it it's your thing that you've seen that a thousand children has made a difference I think very very some a few very very large organizations it becomes more about the wage mm. than the people they're helping and that's the concern really but it goes i mean it goes back to lived experience with you doesn't it because you, you know you you grow you grew up with a disability no doubt there was there was times that were hard during that for you and your family and now you just want to make kids smile who who have a similar upbringing to yourself don't you because you know how tough that is and that's a, that's lived experience that's just trying to help people or help children moving forward to ha to hopefully just put a smile on the face yeah my, my sister's the only one really that's well in our family in our immediate uh well including james now who's my sister's um my sister's uh fiance boyfriend out of the five of us um they're, they're quite well, but me and my parents, none of us are in really great positions. Obviously, I'm in the worst position uh, physically. Um, but m my parents are just the sort that will not, not be beaten. And I just come from a family of survivors, really, that we don't moan, we don't complain. Whatever we've got to do, we just survive. And it's 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 great surviving, but we need to thrive in it as well, don't we? And I think that's what you're doing with more mascots. Please, it takes it to that next level of not just surviving life, but trying to trying to better your own life, um, give back to the, to the community, and uh, thrive within life. And in fact, the last time you were on, you just got your Queen's Award, hadn't you? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I just got that, and um, it's been a good two years. It's been really great to see. Um, I know you've interviewed him, Andy Mullaney's book come out. Great bloke. And my story's in there. Um, it's really like he sat sat, sat um in my head when he wrote that. Uh. The only downside is, is everything that he nominates me for, he believes that I'm going to win. <laughs> and that's so not should. always the case. <laughs> and But he refuses to accept that I won't win. Well, isn't it lovely when um, an almost a virtual stranger comes into life and they've just got that absolute faith in your cause and he's a great bloke, really, really kind man. Yeah, he's... He, did such a responsible job and I think now he's probably the happiest he's ever been in life is helping others and being a mentor. Um, I know he chose to become a banker and he was very good at it and it earned him, he'll tell you, a good wage. But I don't think it was his, his calling in life. I think what he does now suits Andy a lot a lot better than his paid career because he dealt with some very very um there's no polite way to say but some very self-absorbed people who wouldn't look after other people 
Don't you think we have like different calling to different stages of our lives though? And I think sometimes we need one calling at a time because we learn from it. Doesn't mean we're going to do that forever. And I think, and I see it a lot with the babbies at the, at the club. And it's, oh, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? I'm going, I don't know. I say, well, try it, you know. Go and be a butcher and then learn all you can from being there. And then go and be a barman. And then you might bump into someone. Then you might be a bricklayer. Then a, uh, an accountant. You might end up as a farmer. But every time you're learning, on every job, you're learning a new skill. Or, you you know, you learned. You know what? I hate being a barman. Or, but you're constantly learning about the job and about yourself. Then I think along the way, if you're lucky enough, and I, I only think a select few people are, you actually find your calling and you're brave enough to pursue it. Do you agree with that, Vic? Oh, 100%. That's definitely happened to me in my life. Because I, 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 I knew from a really early age that I wanted to be a social worker. That was a pretty unusual thing, but I was literally like 11, 12, and I got this thing that I was going to be a social worker, and I pursued that, and I did that. And then I went into therapeutic work with, in mental health with children with young people, and... And and that felt like my life, if I'm honest with you. Like I mm. felt like I was at home in that job. That was where I was meant to be. I never really fully fitted in as a, a a kind of a frontline social worker, but the therapeutic work always fitted with my personality. But then I went on this further education within that job because I was in a massive dilemma about would I become a parent myself? Helping all these children was that my calling in life to be not be a parent myself, but to be with these vulnerable children that needed support in different ways. And I, I never really knew. And then I did some training as part of that job. And then the, the training was so specialised and um, so insightful, so unusual, uh, that uh, it kind of just suddenly changed my whole perspective of life and confidence to have a family of my own and to think, actually, I can. I can, I can be a mum myself if I, if, if I want to, and I want to try and do that. And then, and yeah, and, and then I became a mom, um, and gave effectively gave up that career, that calling in life. But it's that becoming a mom has not, not just opened mm. me to the joys and the, the privilege of raising your own children, but it's it's took me to other areas of work that I would not have experienced if I hadn't become a mom. So I wouldn't have experienced being a carer and a PA. I wouldn't have experienced the. Uh, life of how it feels to be a disabled person if if I hadn't have become a mom so you can see how different having any any and you're such a better like I feel like such a better individual such a better human being for having these different strands of my life even though there's things that I've given up that I really um, miss it opens up new doors and and gives you fills you up with new experiences and new skills, new knowledge and new friendships and contacts where you can learn so much. So I think, yeah, there's definite. I, d I definitely think that when one door closes, don't be too sad about it because one a new one is always going to open and something will come of that, whether it's good, bad, a bit of both. Some you'll get something from it, and perspective in time will give you that would give you the chance to look back and think there was a reason for that I mean you never know when you go back to it either yeah. would it be something you might pursue I mean once your kids are grown up or is he yeah. is that door firmly shut and no it's not sure I don't think it can be once you've opened it in a way it's it's there like it's always there and um, yeah because I still have uh, young people who I worked with in that career that co contact me that 
are struggling in adulthood and mm. um, you realise the impact that you can make. What you were saying really resonated me about being at the boxing club and being that mummy, that daddy. Mm. Like, f- even for short periods of time, you, you can be somebody's voice in their mind that gives them the strength to keep going for a moment in time where they're really struggling where they can hold on this one young person that i used to work with when she messages me now she says when she's in a really vulnerable moments and she can't do it for herself she says i hold on to my vicky voice mm. she calls it a vicky voice and everybody will have these voices in their minds of different people who have come into their lives and that they can hold on to to say if i can't do it for myself somebody else will want me to do it for them you know do it like i, I, I hold on to their voice telling me that i need to hang on i need to keep going because actually if i can weather this storm something could come out at the end of it and i it could be a better a more hopeful life or more hopeful experience something you know worth hanging on for I think that really resonates because it is right, isn't it? You have that Vicky voice or that person, and that can work on both sides. Kind of, you have the abuser's voice who tells you're worth nothing, or you have the that guardian angel, love another word, who who are there saying, you know, hold on, you know, you can, or someone loves you, or I love you, or and it's amazing what we can do, isn't it, as it people? Is. It is. Never underestimate the uh, power of y- your your voice, actually, because, yeah, small moments in life can have big impacts on both, like you say, in both ways, positively and negatively. And the pair of kindness, power is, of kindness. is so overlooked. I mean, what you were you describing now, what you're doing now, Kerry, hopefully what we're providing here on the podcast and the, the boxing club and all you wonderful people out there, and I've been there myself, and you get so disillusioned. You're thinking, why am I blooming bothering? Why am I bothering being away from my own family and doing this radio or boxing club? And no one appreciates it. And the truth of the matter is, in my boxes, I see them after 25 years, 20 years, whatever, how many years they're up now. And they go, you'll never realise how many lives you've affected. Mm. One in a hundred will go, Cheers, bruv. Cheers, darling. Thank you, sis. Thank you. You. But there's so many lives out there. And as you said, it might have only been, it might have only come to one boxing session or one uh, mascot session or whatever, listen to one episode. But you might have impacted their life for the good for the rest of their lives. Mm. And to you, it might have just been an off the cuff comment. So don't give up on being kind because it's probably the greatest gift that we can give anyone. I heard this saying once What language? can be understood all around the world. It can be understood in every country, in every language. It can be understood by dogs, cats, birds. And that is the language of love. Mm. If you stroke a dog or you rub a cat's belly or you smile at someone, that is giving them kindness. And that can be understood all around the world by man and beast. Mm. So carry on being kind because it's being understood, even if you're not seeing it yourself. Well, Mr. Cadman, how long we got, brother? Should we go to another song? Yeah. And I hope you've all enjoyed today. Kerry and Vicky have just left. Unfortunately, they had to leave that little bit earlier than I end. But what a great show, Lee. I love having them on every time they come on. Yeah, really enjoyable. And uh, I like our chats off air as well, because um, with me and my daughter who's disabled and, and Kerry's kind of been in the system a long time now, dealing dealing with certain people and certain problems that... 
I can ask her questions about it, and she's she's already dealt with it, so you know she knows the answers for me as well. First hand experience again, now isn't he? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, because it, it is. It's a it's a minefield dealing with dealing with it all and and finding out, you know, which way to go, finding out what support you can get, and you know, it really is a minefield, and and it's great having someone there who's who's been there, done it, and can advise you, and who's genuine. Because we say this a lot, you know, sir. You think. That these people that you're talking to have got your best interest at heart and they're giving you honest advice to make your life easier. And a lot of times you're thinking, Well, you've you've bamboozled me, or in a in a sense, you've you've ripped me off or you've wasted my time. But when you can talk to someone who's been in that foot race themselves, they will give you honest opinion, like the carers of the world who've been there, been burned, been upset. They will tell you the pit stops and the ways around it, won't they? Yeah, yeah, and that's what she's that's what she's done. So yeah, it's it's great. And if you'd like to find them, uh, Kerry Davis. I know she does a Kerry Davis page, and a wonderful. Ch- I think sorry, kept cutting there. I think if you want to find it on the majority of the social media, it's Kerry Davis, which is C E R I Davis. BME at the end because obviously she got uh, her uh, Queen's Award that was a BME and I'm pretty sure uh, her um, her social media she has that at the end of it and more mascots please see I see yeah. and keep your eye open because they're always doing fundraising events and as I say if you want to give out to these charities these are the ones you've been giving it to your grassroots who care for the community you know and it, it's it's brilliant. So good, and like when they give these uh, the mascots out. Let's use Lee as an example. It's not just cheering Carter up; it's mom, dad, but the other siblings, allowing them to have a lovely, rich, fun day. So yeah, brilliant. Check them out. Now we've got a boxing show, the Lions ABC. Hopefully, Lee's going to be making his comeback to the ring on the eighth of May, which is on a Sunday, and that's going to be at Quarry Bank Conservative Club. So please get involved. Come and see all of our boxers from first-timers to two England boxers, Osman Mohamed, who's in Bulgaria at the moment, who's having his first fight in the European Games, and Ben Collins, who's just got on to the England development, England pathway, sorry. So come and see it. On the doors, 15, um, 16 years old and younger, five pounds. If you buy your tickets from the club, uh, Adults are £15 or on the door £20. But come and support the grassroots of boxing, tomorrow's champions. Great atmosphere, isn't it, bruv? It is. It's a great night out, Kev. Well, it's a great day out on this on this occasion. It's usually evenings, isn't it? But mm. it's, um, this one's at a, at a more reasonable time. Is, is that on, on account of me not being able to stay up till night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thinking, you know, you've got to be uh, have your hot chocolate and get to bed. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Nine o'clock's the limit. So, yeah, be, it's it's different, isn't it, having, having the afternoon show and um, in a different venue as well this time? all the hard work that goes into it and how expensive it is to put these shows on to please all the money goes back into clubs and as I was at the conversation earlier how low we keep the prices to keep the gym open but this is a way of allowing us to pay because you know when let's say your electricity goes up I don't know let's call it it's a big old building £100 a month that's a lot of £2.50s to cover just one bill and people don't realise that we keep it cheap so people can come but with all these prices going up, it's tough. It's tough, but we'll do our best, you know, to keep the family together. And, yeah, by all means necessary, we'll always keep the Lions family together, like all these other wonderful organisations out there. 
And yeah, and if anyone's out there who wants to sponsor the show, just get in touch with with us at Black Country Blokes or or um, the Lions Boxing Club on Facebook, email. Anyway, just get in touch with us. Any companies out there who want to sponsor it, and we'll also promote you across our podcast and radio shows. Of course, and as I say, I wish that was uh, that money was taken mainly off to Mexico, but uh, the money always comes back into it, and that's. Hopefully, if we're always giving forwards, uh, if we're always giving love forwards, there's always someone out there receiving it. Let's give it forwards, guys. Lee, we're almost there. Are you? Uh, how? I mean, you've had to have a a bit of time off being poorly, but you're looking forward to getting back to the gym. I cannot wait to get back to the gym. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm on holiday for a week now as well, but I plan to do a lot of running during the holiday, and it and it sets my mental health back in back in shape because. Coming off an illness, you don't feel great anyway. I haven't trained, so I feel a bit sluggish, a bit, you know, just not quite myself. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting back in, doing some training, dropping the weight as well now, Kev. <laughs> but it's like I had to keep saying to you, and this is so many of us going, oh, Kev, but I'll, I'll just... I'll, I went, no, don't get yourself worse. When your body's poorly and these viruses... You've got to rest. It's not like a cold where you can sweat it out. When you've got a virus, you're putting strain on your heart and you don't get yourself better. So there's knowing the time. I, I did one of my quotes on uh, the Black Country uh, uh, Instagram where I would release a quote every day, or a saying, should I say. And it's knowing when to rest and when to fight. It's when we get them mixed up that we lose the battle. Well, I think um, you did tell me that. I tested positive on the Friday but started feeling ill on the Thursday. And uh, I spoke to you on the Thursday, and you told me to take a break. And what did I do? I went out for a run on the night. And uh, yeah, that, but that was a very quick lesson. Then Kevin, uh, mm. listen to what your body's telling you. And and it takes a braver man when you're training for things like this to have the courage to take that break as well. Mm. I think uh, you know because we we go on about that. Well, our opponents training, so I've got to be training. But actually. Have confidence in your own ability, in your own training. That's not to say to take time off because you feel like it, but that's saying to to have the confidence that you're training hard enough to not have to worry about taking time off. Cyber mental illness. Well, guys, it's been wonderful as always. And uh, Kerry and Vicky, thank you so much for coming on. It is always a pleasure. So, guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra, bit. <laughs>